0: Welcome to another heartwarming episode of Wellness Wisdom, your trusted source for a healthier and happier life. I am Shannon Spears, and today we are diving deep into the spirit of Thanksgiving with a feast of wisdom from our expert health coaches. Thanksgiving is a time for gratitude and celebration, but it can also bring its share of dietary and health challenges. But fear not we've gathered a lineup of incredible coaches to help you navigate the holiday season with a dash of wellness and a sprinkle of mindfulness from healthy ingredient swaps to mindful eating portion control creative leftover ideas we've got it all covered today so stick around until the end where we will unveil our north star tip which is your simple actionable takeaway to keep your holiday season both joyful and healthy But before we dive into this Thanksgiving smorgasbord of wisdom, don't forget to check out our special PDF download we have for you that's packed with nutritious recipes and ingredient swaps to make your holiday table shine with health. You can find it on our website in the show notes or underneath where this video is, where you are watching this video. And you can also find it on our social media on our link tree. So let's gather around this virtual table with all of our coaches we have today and dig into some wellness wisdom that's going to make your Thanksgiving truly special. Let's get started. Today I have with me, Michelle McCoy, Kathy Riley, Jane Phillips, Bobby McGrath, and Sarah Beaton. Welcome all. All right, just a short disclaimer before we get started. As always, we are not licensed medical professionals, so the education, the information that you have here today is for educational purposes only. Please, before making any changes, take the effort to talk with your doctor or nurse practitioner about those changes you are going to make. All right. I'm excited for this one really excited because we just get to kind of kick back and relax today and not dig into so much like the science and research of things, but just offer those tips that we've been gathering for years and years while we've been going through our health coaching businesses. So today I'm just going to kind of go around and just kind of talk about, you know, what are some of the different tips we can offer? What are some of the healthy swaps and things like that? So to start out, um, let's talk about one of the big things when it comes to the holidays, right? Like we get so busy, we get so stressed, and we tend to forget things like exercise, healthy movement. Michelle, do you want to talk a little bit about that for us today?
1: Yeah, sure. So you're right. It actually is one of those things that go on the back burner, especially as women, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner anyway. So when we are in the throes of the shopping and the preparing and the hosting and all of that, it's easily one of the things that we just push off and we don't even worry about. But I would encourage and I encourage my clients to do uh, this as well. But you start each day with your movement, with your healthy movement, because that way you're getting it out of the way. You are actually sandwiching the, um, if you do something for yourself in the morning and at night, you are sandwiching the crazy, the busy in between something for you, that little bit of self-care. So whether that's going for a walk or just doing a 10 minute hit video, especially on the big day, right, especially if you are hosting on Thanksgiving, make sure you are doing something for you, even though you've got a schedule and you know, the Turkey needs to be in at this time, and you've got all this to do, you know, just make sure that you get up a few minutes early or something for you, because I promise you'll feel better as the day goes on. Like you have got, you've filled your tank a little bit, you know, so you will feel better and you, you just need that to see that movement in your day. Um, just to kind of rebalance yourself too. Yeah, it can certainly
0: help with a lot of stress that we're all feeling around the holidays too. You know, like that that anxious energy that we have, especially on the day of Thanksgiving or any other holidays, right? Um, It's funny how much our bodies react, like when we miss, like we have that high stress level, we're used to doing healthy movement every day and then we just forget it. And all day long, we're just like, Why do I feel like this? Like, like what's missing? And it tends to be the last thing on our mind when it's the most important, you know, get rid of that anxious energy, help control the the stress perception and just get your body moving. And I think it's also important, you know, even after, like if you, we've talked about this before, kind of like, you know, holiday activities and stuff, right? Like go for a slower, short walk around the neighborhood or something after the big meal uh, to right. help with your blood sugar roller coaster and, and right. get the there. carb and, coma. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than falling asleep table, especially after turkey, if we're having turkey on the table, right? <laughs> Let's work that I don't know.
1: <laughs> I always, I always figure, I don't, I don't blame the turkey as much as the carbs on the sides, you know, I, the, it's a carb coma for a reason, you know, you yeah. up starchy foods and that's what makes us you know want to fall asleep but yeah absolutely i always recommend that as well go for a walk after dinner but i found for me personally because i always hosted like i still do i do 95 of hosting for anything and i find that if i did not put my wellness first like take care of myself in this manner first on the big day no matter what whatever the day was I was crankier, honestly, and I, you know, might tend to reach for extra sugar or maybe have a second glass of one when I normally wouldn't have or something like that because I didn't fill my tank first. I didn't take care of myself first before I then poured into everybody else. So yeah, I highly recommend, even if you just get up a few minutes early, do that. And then also walk after, you know, the meal with everybody, have a good time walking.
0: Yeah. So that kind of leads into, let's talk about Bobby, did you have anything to add to that? You know,
2: I think when you what Michelle was saying is put yourself first, which a lot of us put us ourselves last on the list. Mm-hmm. So if you can start that day, even then like she said, ten minutes. I mean, ten minutes, go outside, catch some sun on your eyes, breathe, Just take that ten minutes because later in the day, that ten minutes pays off in spades because you, you know, poured into yourself first, because there's an undercurrent that runs along throughout the day of give, 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 give. And if you give more than you ever give yourself, you kind of feel empty. And at the yeah. end of the day, you, you do, you literally just want to sit down and be like, wow, I, I gave till I had nothing else to give nobody's giving me anything. And nobody is going to go come up to you and say, take 10 minutes and go breathe or go take a walk, right? I mean, that's just not going to happen. So I I totally love what Michelle brought to the table is just take the time because no one's going to give it to you.
3: Yeah. Um, Switching gears here a little bit, I actually, when Michelle was talking about the carb coma, my first thought was, you know, try to avoid those carbs in the first place, you know, the stuffing and the twice-baked mashed potatoes and the rolls, you know, fill your plate up with the better options. Even, you know, the sweet potatoes, I know those are still a little bit, you know, depending on how they're made, um, but, you know, the green beans and the fresh vegetables and meat, you know, try to take a, maybe a tiny portion of those, you know, carb laden um dishes and really load up on the on the uh, veggies so that you're not feeling so exhausted by the time you're done with your meal yeah and i think it's important to
0: point out to people you know a lot of people don't know it's like they think carbs are evil right so i think it's really important at this point let's talk about the differences in carbs like yes there are simple carbs which are very unhealthy then there are complex carbs which are very very healthy for you and you should be eating more of so healthy carbs are complex meaning that they are slower to digest they're actually helping to balance blood sugars in your body you're going to stay satiated in full longer um even like ancient grains ancient grains oatmeal quinoa things like this they're higher in protein those are considered complex carbs a lot of your healthy vegetables your green vegetables salads green beans um, even sweet potatoes root vegetables like all of those are considered complex carbs because they're healthy they're loaded with micronutrients in them micronutrients and minerals your simple carbs Your white rices, your white bread, those white rolls, the marshmallows on top of the sweet potatoes, you know, um, the pies, the desserts, you know, um, sometimes the dips that we're choosing to use and things like that. Those are all considered those simple carbs. And that's what leads to the roller coaster in our blood sugar um, and the fatigue and the extra stress on our body. And we're not reacting to things the way that we normally would so it's important to find the balance you know we're certainly not here saying you can't have any of those like kathy said you know minimize them and fill your plate more of those complex carbs that way you're not craving more of the simple carbs and the unhealthy carbs there Um, so it's really important to understand the difference you know we we live in a society that um, talks about the keto diet and you can't have any carbs whatsoever you know carbs you need, it has the complex carbs have those important vitamins and minerals that you're not getting from other places. You have to have a healthy balance. And that healthy balance looks different for everybody. Someone who may be able to do keto perfectly and someone else who does keto is struggling trying to do, you know, that low, low, Carb, and and it's because their body, their specific body, needs that higher carb content. It just has to be the right kind of carbs. So, you know, it's something we run into a lot during this time of year. People are looking to lose weight; they don't want to gain any weight that they've lost throughout the year, and so they'll automatically start to switch to food choices that follow along the keto diet. And it's not necessarily healthy. It's not even necessary a lot of times if you're just mindful. Of what you're actually putting in. And that also leads to portion control. So let's talk, let's discuss portion control a little bit and mindfulness in eating.
1: Yeah. Okay, so sorry, I just wanted to jump in before I forgot because you were talking about the carbs, Shannon. Mm-hmm and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So what I would suggest to a lot of my clients was just get a, not a serving spoonful of the carb that you want, but a an eating spoonful. And that mm-hmm. way you've got, because there's always the, you know, I hear all the time, well, you know, you, you offend this, you know, great aunt or something if you don't eat what they've prepared. So it's, you know, and you want it too, because you only get it once a year. So it's not about deprivation. It's just portion, like you said, portion control. You know, just get a spoon of it so that you can taste it. And really, after three bites, our taste buds, you know, we're we're satisfied. We don't really need more than three bites of something to fully understand and, and get that satiation, that desire for the sweet or the flavor and all that. So um, you know, if you really want to have a little bit of the carb that looks best for you, it's okay to do that. But, you know, just get a certain uh, eating spoon size, not a serving spoon size.
0: Yep. Good point. Jane.
4: Okay. So I myself have been doing mindful eating for years and I can say it's helped tremendously. Uh, there've been days, you know, at the workplace or whatnot, you have 30 minutes to eat and you're, you gulp it down in like 15 minutes and you realize why well, you have a gut ache later. Right. So Holidays are a time for relaxation and connecting with your loved ones and enjoying every bite of your food. So what I generally recommend is to take 30 to 40 bites of your food and it helps release the enzymes. So if you were releasing the enzymes downstream, you're getting better digestion overall, right? Not only that you're extracting the flavors from it. So who doesn't want that? You want to really get the full experience of your food. And so another way to do it is uh before you start your meals take a few deep breaths you can pray during that time you can think about how the food will nourish your body and have an appreciation for that and it's a really nice way to ease into your meal right Mm -hmm. Um, another way is to uh, use smaller plates and that falls into the portion control so you Mm -hmm. can certainly use smaller plates and like the other said, just load up your plate with the foods that are better for you. So you don't have room. It crowds out the ones that aren't so great, right? It's not saying it's deprivation. You just are uh, kind of getting that good head start for when you're, when you're eating. And you can also uh, have a, a bunch of water at least an hour before you start your meal. That helps as well. And Yeah, those are, those is pretty much it. That's what's worked for me and I know it'll work for you as well. So it's worth giving it a try. Mm -hmm. Now thing to
2: jump on that, um, mm -hmm. to add to that is be careful of the water that you do drink right, right in front of your meal. The the 30 minutes or so 15 minutes before Um, Jane talked about digestive enzymes and I'm talking to the people that get, I, I've never heard what did you say? It was a food cake that was in your in your gut. Was that what you're saying, Jane? A term you
4: used? Like well, after- you have it's uh, you just want to extract the flavor of the food when you are chewing, right? You're right. literally extracting the enzymes through that chewing process and you're extracting the flavor. And you don't want no so, so much as a bolus of food sitting in your stomach undigested. Right. Right. Uh, you don't want to well, have a, I, a gut, a, I gut was, ache after your meal. What with
2: food cake was like the food baby people get what they call food babies or bloated. I'm talking to those people. Right. Who doesn't get bloated or or filled up or extra full after Thanksgiving? Right. But one thing mindfulness wise you can do is just protect that time before you eat. Like Jane was saying, sit down, breathe, think about the food, mm-hmm. get those juices flowing in your sal- salivary glands, because a lot of digestion begins. Actually, in your mouth. But the one thing you don't want to do is drain it and dilute it out by drinking a lot. And especially at the holidays, we've got the bar, we've got this cocktail before you know the meal and all that kind of stuff, and the water at the table. <clears throat> and if you're if you're drinking a lot, maybe you're dehydrated from the night before or the foods you have been eating. But if you're drinking a lot at that time that you're trying to digest, you're diluting those digestive enzymes. And what happens with that is the food sits in your stomach goes, it's trying to go through your stomach into your small intestine where majority of your food is being broken down and absorbed. And if those enzymes, those friendly enzymes aren't there that break it down into smaller pieces to be absorbed, it starts to ferment and it sits there. And that's the feeling that you're getting. That's when the gas and bloating come along because That's what happens when your food ferments, it creates gas and bloating. And there's a whole trickle down thing later with digestion for a whole nother podcast, you can talk about SIBO and a bunch of other stuff. But just be careful with the liquids you're taking in right as you're eating or while you're eating. And even after right after dinner or after your meal.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to so one of the things that a lot of people are not aware of is what you eat today is actually fueling you for tomorrow so you know like when we talk about hydration tomorrow's not going to matter as far as like if you're not drinking enough today it's the all the water and stuff that you drink tomorrow is not going to fuel you for tomorrow you need to drink ahead of time so drink and hydrate yourself with water and minerals the day before especially a holiday get together where you know there's gonna be a lot of food you know if you have uh, an issue with being hungry all of the time, right, maybe you're trying to lose that weight, you're trying to reduce inflammation, but you just seem to have these hunger pains all the time, you know, an hour before eating, have a small glass of water to help with that, right? Because a lot of times when we have those hunger pains, the first thing I know I tell my clients is drink some water. Rather than reaching for an unhealthy snack, drink some water, and see if that was your body's clue just to say, hey, I, I need some hydration, I'm dehydrated, right? But you definitely, like you don't wanna drink 16 ounce bottle of water an hour before you're eating because <laughs> like you said, you know, it is gonna dilute, it's still gonna be in there, but to drink a small glass of water, see if that helps. It's literally, especially if you have those hunger pains is to get you through until everybody else is ready to meet. And and, and when, we, when we talk about the mindfulness, right? I have never been in a holiday get-together where everybody like once or twice a year is sitting there actually like they're rushing, right? Like everybody's like you were at the table two hours. So these holiday get-togethers are definitely those times where you can focus on mindful eating. You can take time, you can have conversation in between bites, you can let your body rest, you know, and that also helps with that portion control because the longer you're taking in between those bites, the more your body has the ability to digest and that fullness meter creeps up rather than shoveling everything in. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Jane, you've got that bellyache and now you're miserable, right? So you're letting your body digest appropriately that slow, mindful eating. You're not stressed. Unless a fight happens at the table, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, you're able to give your body the time it needs to get through those nutrients, digest that food, and slowly pile on top of each other instead of it all just dumping into the bottom of your stomach. So, really, really great tips um, from everybody there. Um, so, what about when we're baking things? When we're cooking, right? Like, what are some um tips that everybody has to swap out ingredients or you know typical ingredients that we're going to be using like vegetable oils and and butter and maybe sugar sweeteners and stuff like that um in baked goods in in the meal itself um i know for myself for our our family we learned um a while ago a couple of years ago that you don't have to use the entire amount of sugar that's in a recipe like we literally cut it down two thirds from what the recipe calls for. And it's still sweet enough. Um, you know, using not, or we don't want to use artificial sweeteners. You know, everybody today, you know, we, we see that we can have diet Coke because it's got sucralose in it, right? And it's, it's not affecting our sugar, but the problem is, is it's an artificial sweetener and it has detrimental effects to our health. You know, our livers cannot process that. Therefore, it gets stored in our bodies in, as extra, excess fat. It's a toxin to our body. Um, it can destroy our organs, especially with long-term use. So using things like, you know, the sucralose sweeteners that are on the shelf or Equal, Splenda, like all of these, like these are toxins to your body. Choose things like coconut sugar, which is still a sugar, but it is low glycemic. Um, and it's sweeter than sugar. So using, um, dates, you know, in baked goods, you can use medjool dates, um, as a paste. Um, sometimes you can get it as a paste, you can get it and make your own paste, um, doing things like stevia. Um, they have, um, oh, what's the new one? monk fruit. Thank you. I was like, it begins with an M. So, you know, monk fruit sweetener. It doesn't have like a lot of people don't like stevia or superlose, you know, obviously they don't need sucralose, but stevia tends to have kind of that aftertaste as well. And so a lot of people don't like that. And monk fruit doesn't ha- tend to have that aftertaste to it. Um, so look at these other options. We're going to have you know, all of those healthier options in our opt-in um, for you to download today so you can look at, you know, those things that you can try and switch out if this is something you haven't tried before. So what are, what are some other tips and uh, tricks that you guys use during your holiday preparation?
5: Um, Yeah. Yes to the sugar. Okay, oh, go ahead, Jane.
4: Go ahead. sir. Uh, it's okay. Go ahead. You're fine.
5: Okay. Yeah. I like to swap out the sugar for sure. Um, love the coconut palm sugar. I also like maple sugar, the granulated maple sugar. And usually, I mean, unless I'm baking, obviously some cookies or something like that. If I have a sweet tooth, I'll just make a smoothie with obviously no added sugar, just with fruit, maybe throw in some greens some veggies that sweetness in there will just knock out my sweet tooth. But if I am baking something, like for the holidays, I love to use either the dates or maple syrup or even raw honey. So those are some of my favorites with sweeteners. Oils. So we've talked before on a different episode about oils and how they're not the greatest for you, right? They're not. They're processed. So I like to do my best when it can work out is to replace the oils. Like when I'm sautéing, you know, roasting veggies, I'll replace it with veggie broth or chicken broth. So that's something that's easy to do, really cuts down on um, that excess calories. You're just dousing. I don't know. Whenever I've been sauteing, have you guys ever noticed when you do a stir fry, it evaporates and you keep dousing the oil? And I sit there and I think, dang, I mean, how much oil have I added to this? Right. I really became mindful of that and focused on just throwing in some water. Instead, I'll just fill up like a measuring cup next to my cooktop just throws them on when it um, starts evaporating. So uh, yeah, what? That's a great idea. Yeah, I love doing it. It's made a huge difference. And then I've gotten creative with the air fryer because sometimes the air fryer with no oil gets really dry. I'll just spray a little bit of oil on or I'll just toss them with a little bit of water or like if you steam the potatoes first and then throw them in an air fryer there's and you shake them, they're still kind of and mm-hmm. then you throw it in there, and they, if you shake it a little bit, they have that texture still of if you put oil on them, right? right. Um, and then another thing I like to bake with just to avoid, I'm gluten free, all the really heavy gluten free flours, which we all use them anyway, but just for a healthier option to avoid the like the blends with the tapioca and the brown rice flour, white rice flour, the ones you get at the store, I'll just use like a blanched almond flour. Sometimes I'll make a blend. I'll throw in a little bit of coconut flour, and maybe a touch of tapioca to make a. It's just a richer blend to bake with. But um, blanched almond flour is definitely a really good one. Much healthier. Absolutely. Those would be my tips.
3: Yeah. Speaking of the oils, though, you know, um, not all oils are bad. In fact, you know, our, the ratio of omega-3s to 6 is so far off in this, in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be 4 to 1 is where we started at 30, 40 years ago. And now we're at 20 to 1 getting omega-6s versus omega-3s. And one way to um, help with that is to get rid of the seed oils. So, mm-hmm. you know, the canola oil, the sunflower oil, soybean oil, you know, anything that says vegetable oil. You see it in your mayonnaise, your salad dressings. Everything out there has all these oils in it. So switch to a higher grade salad dressing. Um, Cook with avocado or coconut oil. They have a higher smoke point as well. So you can actually, you can't, you're not supposed to cook with olive oil. And I know a lot of people are not aware of that. So I wanted to bring that up. Higher smoke points the coconut and the avocado oil. Um, use your olive oils after cooking. And then you could also cook with butter or ghee. And or, um, tallow is kind of a new one, new old one that people are turning to. I've even seen it on my local grocery store shelves now, which I was really surprised that you don't have to you know, source it from somebody raising the grass fed beef and things like that, find your local farmer. So it's a little bit more easy. It's easier to get now.
0: Yeah, I think the amounts are key too. you know, like, especially if we're used to eating out at a lot of restaurants and fast food Mm -hmm. and things like that, like there's so much oil that is that you are intaking at that unhealthy ratio, right. And so when you're cooking at home, you're able to control that. And less is more, less is definitely more. And, you know, there are some things that we can't avoid oils being in. So for instance, if we like mayonnaise, you know, even making our own, it requires a little bit of oil, but at least it's not heat processed, you know, and it's going through um, the manufacturing process. So that oil inside of it is not getting destroyed when we're making it fresh at home. Right. Um, And doing things like you know let's talk about obviously like Sarah you talked about not using oils in cooking like stir fries and everything right like you can use the vegetable broth it's going to add that flavor to it you don't have to worry about how much oil am I actually getting right Right. same way with like eating out at a restaurant but that doesn't work like you can't put vegetable broth in baked goods right so let's talk about you know like some of the options for replacing those oils in baked goods
5: Applesauce is one.
4: You use yeah. applesauce. Yes. Yep. Definitely replaces that vegetable oil. Yeah. Um, yeah sweet really potato. Well.
2: I was at a cooking class and I asked this chef guy who knew, knew a lot. I said, Well, if you want to swap out some things, he said, sweet potatoes, you'd be amazed what sweet potatoes do to your baked goods. I've so, never heard that. Yeah. I was like, All right. I mean, obviously, it needs to be baked and smooth and stuff. And, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, sweet potatoes, and one thing to jump on the oil um, comment. A lot of people don't realize the when she, Kathy was talking about the ratios um, of three omega three and omega six. Omega six are the oils that are actually contributing to oxidative stress and inflammation in our body. So when people you know get confused, and they're like, I don't know if I should do threes or sixes or the ratios. Just, just kind of remember the difference between the three and the six is that six is the, the oils that are going to ramp up that pathway that's going to make you have more symptoms in your current, you know, situation with your health, more inflammation, more brain fog, more whatever you have right now. It's, it's just not your friend. And the yeah. other thing that when you're eating out too, um, I don't like to be the person at the table that, grills the waitress, but I will say like, especially if the restaurant is touting, like we make our own salad dressings, I will always ask them what type of oil is in that particular dressing. And if they don't know, and they have to go back to the kitchen, so be it, no big deal. But I always think it's important for people to know, like what is it that they're putting in your in your salad dressing? Um, my husband is great about saying, you know, put the sauce on the side because then he has an option to put on as much as you want, um, you know, or pass it all the way, you know, take a pass on it altogether, together. Um, and that those are just simple ways where you can still enjoy your meal, but you kind of have more control over what's actually coming to your table.
0: Right. And then you don't have to worry about like how much, you know, when you're, I even do like, when they're making their own salad dressings, not only do you have to worry about the oil, but what kind of a sweetener did they use in it? How much sugar is in it? Right. So asking questions like that. And at the very least, you know, I've asked for a lot of times they will have like red wine vinegar and olive oil options. So just bring those to the table so I can kind of add my own on there. Yes.
3: And then you even have to talk about the quality of olive oil that they're getting. Yeah. You know, is it is it really, truly olive oil or is it cert, right. is it bottled in a plastic, you know, five gallon jug that they've got in the back? Right. <laughs> right. And it's, it's all about, you know,
0: minimizing, right? Like when we're going out to eat and we're at somebody else's house, like it's minimizing what we're intaking, you know, we're, it's not about being perfect, mm-hmm. but because yeah, I'm one of those two, like those thoughts start mm-hmm. entering my head and I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> You are able to control what's going on here. It's okay if olive oil isn't exactly the one that you use at home, but at least you're not getting the added sugars. You know it's olive oil, it's not a seed oil, and you you can add some red wine vinegar on that. Sarah, did you want to add anything yeah. else?
5: No, I want to agree with Bobby. I do the same thing when I'm at the restaurants. I always check about what oil they're using, but if I'm being extra careful, as has been happening on occasion, I'll just make my own salad dressing, and put it in one of those little Plastic containers and bring it with me to the restaurant, shove it in my purse and just kind of sneak it out and dump it. <laughs> I'm too lazy to do that though. So it, <laughs> but it is
0: okay. It is okay, okay to yeah. do that. You know, So
5: as you said, we're not looking for perfection. It's just trying to reduce. And that like with the stir fry, that's what I was trying to do. When I'm doing those type of things, I'm trying to reduce our consumption of that processed food. Right. Focus yep. more on the star of the show, which is the whole foods. But, um, I just wanted to add with the oils, um, be very careful. Like when it comes to olive oil, because there's a lot out there. You can you can do some research on the black market of olive oils, yeah. and them being cut with soy and canola, maybe mm-hmm. just putting a touch of olive oil in there. So you really need to call the company or the farm or whatever you know whoever the distributor is. Maybe try to focus on smaller um, distributors, smaller farms. And do your research because it's very, very common, I'm hearing. So yes,
0: and when that, you look at olive oil, it shouldn't be yellow gold. It right. should be greenish tint Green. to it. Yep. If it is true unfiltered olive oil. A lot of people don't know that either. Exactly. So Looking for those small farms that are in California, looking for those small farms that import from Italy, but not importing to a big, huge manufacturer where they're going to get
5: I like the small ones, the organic ones. I like the ones from Italy or Greece. Um, And then one other thing about avocado oil, which I use all the time because of its high smoke point, there's stuff coming out now about aloe oil, or I'm sorry, avocado oil, not being very good for you. So. Just keep your eye open. I'm still kind of watching. I've really cut back on my use of it. And now I just do the olive oil or coconut oil or obviously, you know, the broth.
0: Yep, and again, you know, knowledge is power. So that's why we have this Wellness Wisdom Roundtable to bring all of that upcoming research Mm -hmm. and information, you know, to our audience. So those are definitely things that we're gonna be keeping our eye on. Um, you know, another thing I like to do is rather than using sour cream in dips is using like Greek yogurt, mm-hmm. um, in dips, there's really not much of a taste difference at all. Um, and so making that swap can be very healthy cause you're getting the added healthy fats that are in there. Um, I used to make my own sour cream, um, which was great. Then I would use that. I also used to make my own Greek yogurt and sometimes I would do a blend, but life gets busy. And I'm at the point right now where I don't do that. So like holidays, it would be let's do the Greek yogurt, you know, Um, and it tends to be thicker sometimes too, using Greek yogurt.
2: So Mm -hmm. coconut yogurt works as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little watery, but if you are adding things into whatever it is, like spices and different things like that, really, that is your, it's your base. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like you're eating coconut you're actually eating the spices and things like that.
3: Yeah. I so,
4: actually, uh, sorry. I've actually, I've actually caught mayo with Greek yogurt from my family who doesn't really particularly care for Greek yogurt. So that's one way to ease it in as well. Mm-hmm. You can do that.
0: Interesting. I've never heard of doing that. So that's a great tip, Jane. Mm-hmm.
4: So let's talk for
0: a moment about dietary restrictions around the holidays, family members. So this is some obviously is becoming more prevalent in a lot of households, um, where we have to look out for the different dietary restrictions like food allergies, right? Um, whether it's something like peanut butter or shellfish or need, needing to be gluten free, dye free, things like this. So I know for myself, my daughter, she cannot have any dyes. It literally is life-threatening allergy when it comes to artificial food dyes for her. Um, And when we're on the holidays, right, we have the cakes, the cupcakes, the cookies with the bright colored frosting on them and everything, right? So um, one of the ways that I have, you know, being able to educate our extended family, you know, making sure I've reminded them, you know, she can't have those. And it took a couple of years of them, being offended. None of us ate, you know, the brightly colored cookies and stuff like that. And I was like, she can't have them. It's not fair for the rest of the rest of the family to have it, you know, and her sit out. So we're just going to not. And so one of the things that finally now is available are natural food colorings. And you can find them in the baking aisle now of most grocery stores. Um, McCormick has a natural dye. There's a couple other companies out there, so that's something to think about. You know, when you are making, um, you know, those those cookies, the frosting, and things like that. Um, not only just for you know that dietary restriction of somebody might have a food dye allergy, but when we're talking about kids around the holidays and mm-hmm. they're getting into the sugary stuff and the desserts and everything, we tend to think it's the sugar that is making their behavior unbearable. And it's ne- not necessarily the sugar. More so, it is more than likely the food dyes, especially blue food dyes, because it crosses the blood-brain barrier and literally affects their neural, their um, their neural um, system, nervous system. You know, so think about that. You know, is some of these things you know like reducing you know the sugar or using a type of different sugar in the frosting, and then using those natural dyes and natural flavorings, you know, even using fruit juice flavorings and stuff like that that they have out now' is gonna make a huge difference in the behavioral um side of of kids during the holidays so and I know Sarah, you talked about you know some gluten free tips uh, yeah it doesn't need to be gluten free so
5: yeah, I wanted to add with uh, the food color we've been doing that for gosh twenty years too swapping those out and um Trader Joe's has some M&M's if you want to use M&M's, you know, like make M&M cookies um, that are natural, natural Mm -hmm. colors. There's also India Tree is a good brand for sprinkles and then the natural food color. Also, Edward and Sons has really good sprinkles. I forget their name, but it's Edward and Sons. They come in the little boxes at Whole Foods usually, but you can get them online. Um, But yeah, did you want me to talk about like kind of prepping for the holidays with food allergies, that type of thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to add in real quick. Watkins is another brand that has a line of natural dyes, whether they do sprinkles, uh, all these sorts of things. Like they have an entire line of coloring and everything. So, and a lot, like I know here we find them at Menards. So, look at those off the wall places. Yeah. So, let's, let's dive
5: in. Yeah. So, my son, just kind of a little bit about me, my son has had an anaphylactic nut allergies for 20 years. And then my daughters both had, one has an anaphylactic egg allergy and dairy, and then the other ones have you know, gluten intolerance, those types of things. So we've got, through the years, we've had all kinds of food intolerances in addition to the anaphylactic. So prepping for going to holidays at someone else's house, definitely don't assume the host knows much about allergies, number one. I've learned that the hard way bring your EpiPen or your AVQ injector with you so you have it. Um, And then, you know, offer to bring, definitely bring your own food, but offer to make several dishes. That way you're going to have more choices. So that's my kind of, I don't know, there's really nothing special about going to someone else's house. You're probably pretty much going to have to bring your own food (laughs) unless you really, really trust them and can educate them. So now if you're, Having someone to your house, or maybe you're just learning how to deal with your food allergic child, then definitely anything processed, you need to read the food label. Obviously, there's a may contain list and the ingredient statement. You also want to look at the um, process in a facility. So many people, including my son, were um, food allergic to, you know, when it comes to cross contamination. So you have to be careful of, even though it doesn't have walnuts in it, it may be cross-contaminated run right on the same line in the factory with other nuts that would be you know, processed with walnuts. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to look for. As far as prepping your kitchen, you want to you know sanitize all the counters. You want to wash your hands between everything that you touch. Um, know it can make you feel kind of OCD. This is what it made me feel like when my son was three and I had to do this because I had a special counter for the nuts. And then I had a special counter for gluten-free. Then eventually we all just became gluten-free because it was much easier. But um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, utensils, equipment, counters all need to be fresh for everything you're using. You don't want to think, oh, I'm going to got my gluten-free toast. And then someone has a nut allergy. I'll just dip my, my, um, use the same knife I use for the peanut butter. Like you really have to stop and think because you're not conditioned to deal with this normally. So you really have to focus, but um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, if you're going to be having things, you know, regular things that don't have allergies and then the things that you prepared for the allergic person, you want to clearly label those because you can easily get that mixed up. That would not be a mistake you'd want to make. And then familiarize yourself with alternatives. So, Um, Eggs, So egg alternatives, you can make flax eggs, you can make chia eggs. Those are easy swaps. I still use them to this day just because I'm so used to it. And it's just easier to do. Um, You can swap out like for dairy. We've had to swap out like with almond milk, um, oat milk. um, What else? Coconut milk. There's lots of options out there. I mean, there there are so many options nowadays compared to when, like 20 years ago when I started doing this, especially with gluten-free. Um, Gluten-free flour blends, we talked about that a little bit. That's good swaps. For someone who's allergic, you can take usually the same recipe and swap it for an all-purpose gluten-free flour blend if you're baking, like, say, a cookie, and you don't have to go look for a special recipe. Um, What else was I going to say? Hold on. Let me just make sure. Oh, dining out. I wanted to add that. So when you're dining out with food allergies, okay, this has been a, a process for us. Definitely look over the menu ahead of time. Think of what you'd want to make or what you want to order before you go to the restaurant. Sometimes you go and it's super busy. No one can, you know, the chef can't come out cause it's like Friday night. So definitely look ahead of time. But if you can go, go during a non-peak time, talk to either the manager or the chef. I often can get the chef to come out, especially for an anaphylactic allergy. That's something I want to mess around with. And I'll tell them, listen, he's anaphylactic, not allergy. We need to make sure, you know, do you have cross contamination, cross contamination issues in the kitchen, you know, and so on. So definitely you need to advocate for yourself, your child, whoever you're with very important. So you're not running to the hospital later because obviously the, the restaurant doesn't care. I mean, let's be honest, right. They're busy. They're running their business. So you need to advocate for your, your person. Um, I think that's it. I think that's
4: all I wanted to go over for allergies. I think I
5: mean,
2: the big bottom okay. line message though, when I'm hearing from Sarah and I feel like you all probably feel the same because we've got, I've got two nephews that were diagnosed. Um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. They're in college now with celiac, not just gluten yeah. sensitivity, but celiac. Okay. And so Our holidays with my sister-in-laws became completely different, you know, as far as being more um, careful with things. And the first year um, that particular family just was overwhelmed and didn't commune with us for Thanksgiving because it was just too overwhelming. And eventually we kind of figured out how to be able to get back together and be safe. Um, But the bottom line is probably communication, Um, being open, sharing that with your family, um letting them know what can happen and there's always going to be the resistant people in your circle or family hopefully not but that just maybe doesn't believe it or doesn't understand it doesn't want to take the time to understand it um and maybe that's where you kind of have to dive a little deeper in the grace category right and give them grace but you also kind of have to step in and say I'm feeling a little resistance. I know we're putting you out, if, especially if they're hosting. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just have a conversation with you about X, Y, Z. Here's the things that I'm willing to, you know, support and help out with. You yeah. know, because I think anytime somebody like if I was hosting and someone came to me and said, "I will bring this, this, and this," can can you make sure, you know, that your cutting boards, for instance, uh, I'm going to bring my own cutting boards, so don't you know, don't cut anything. Um, for my kids or my dish on, on your cutting boards. I'll bring my own knives. And if not, then we'll cover them with saran wrap. I know it's one of our options because we were cutting so much stuff. We didn't have 10 cutting boards, but so it's a lot of it. It's just upfront adult communication with a grace piece to it of like, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but this is real for me and my family and my kids and You know, I think that that goes a long way versus like, well, you know, afterwards being upset about a bunch of things. Don't be upset about it. Take it back to them. You know, hey, next time we get together, do you think we could order some gluten free pizza? You know, instead of having everything, you know, regular
5: stuff like that. And even, you know, one thing I forgot to mention about the EpiPen or the AviQ, educating your family or friends about that. Because I had a comment made to me and my family not too long after my son was diagnosed about, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Just give him an EpiPen. It's mm-hmm. not happens. And i yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes if you don't get the EpiPen to the, the child for the first time, things go south fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been in the ER for, you know an anaphylactic reaction so and it was very scary seeing my son he was throwing up he had one giant hive his body he passed out came to in the er i mean i was like my whole life went by my eyes right yeah but um this person was obviously misinformed um but yeah you you really need to educate them on the severity of it and the seriousness for sure
2: well and in in, in- in in that it's it's the approach, right? It's it's not like hey, I'm gonna call you up and educate you on the yeah. CNAK 101 or the dyes. It's more like hey, I've got some issues in my within my family. I'd really like to share some information with you. Are you open to that? And yeah. if they're like, yeah, I'm good, I know all about it. There's yeah. A resistance. Yeah, you know.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Absolutely. you know, it's it, that's something that, I mean, our, our family, like you said, you know, whether they disagree with it or not, our, our fa- extended family was like, oh, she'll be fine. Oh, she'll be fine. A- a- and it's like you said, Sarah, like that moment of seeing your child and your life flash before your eyes, gosh, when they can't breathe in a matter of seconds. You know, we've been very fortunate with education by our pediatrician at the time when these all came about of using homeopathy to reduce her reactions and be able to get her breathing again, rather than an EpiPen because my daughter is petrified of needles, you know, and I didn't want to make that worse. We're striving to make her, you know, thought of needles better. So, you know, and it, and it worked for us. So that's something that we, the pathway we've been going down and, and we had to educate you know, a lot of people want it. When my daughter goes on trips for the church youth group and things like that, like I have to have the education, you know, with her. I have to talk with the nurse that's going and explain everything that she understands how to use it. Please call me as soon as this happens. You know, all these different things. And we didn't realize when our kids came up with a gluten intolerance, we were trying to clean everything, all their digestive systems out. Even simple things like gravy or seasoning packets that we're using during the holidays, they have wheat flour in them as a thickener, you know, and so we would have reactions, we would have the bloating, we would have upset stomachs, not being able to eat for a couple of days and and didn't know why until we investigated further. So it's just the little things that, that can happen that can set someone off for days after that you're not seeing. So it's, you know, be respectful of the conversations that are happening around um, this area. So as we close, um, let's quickly kind of talk through, you know, leftovers. What the heck do we do with all the leftovers?
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's like a
0: never-ending question. (laughs) Well,
4: as it is today. As it is today with the, the prices and foods, I think it's probably something you really want to do, right? So um, traditionally what I've done with leftovers, Thanksgiving foods, I've often thrown them make a soup. And I've made casseroles. I've made uh, gluten-free pot pies and things like that. And everybody, you, you wouldn't have anybody complaining or anything. So those have been winners for us. And they may be really good uh, starting points to uh, you know, just use up those, uh, those leftovers. And of course you can also think of some creative ways yourself, you know, look online or whatnot. Um, of course we have the resource coming to you as well. So that would be very helpful to, to get your creative thoughts going. Uh, just try, you know, it doesn't hurt to just, uh, see how those do for you and your family.
3: I mean, you could even, you know, have a, have a, um, Selection of inexpensive Tupperware, you know, to share those leftovers with your family, you know, especially your elderly people, you know, your your grandfathers and aunts yes. and uncles, you know, yes. send them some send them a few dishes home so that they have some meals for the next couple of weeks. You can throw the the turkey carcass in the freezer and make a soup later. You know, I mean, we're constantly cooking more than we need and putting half of it back for For leftovers, because I don't want to have to cook a whole chicken again or whatever. So we'll cook it, eat eat a couple little bit of it, and put the rest in the freezer.
1: Absolutely, I agree. I do that too. I Mm -hmm. you know for baked goods, you can freeze it. You know, you don't have to like people feel like they have to eat everything all that week leading up. You know, after. You just have to eat it. They're eating pie for days. You can freeze it. You can freeze it. You can freeze it and bring it out when you have company and have coffee and pie or something. But yeah. And freezing the turkey, freezing, you know, making the bone broth, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can definitely use it up without getting sick of eating it for days on end.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and using things like mason jars to freeze you know, uh, leftovers and, you know, that, that can fit into a mason jar. Uh, One of the things that I'm excited to use this year during the holidays for leftovers is I just got a food saver a couple of months ago. So being able to vacuum seal um, different things and put them in the freezer and know they're going to last longer than, you know, 30 days, 45 days and be able to pull them back out, whether it's to use them in leftovers at a later date or anything like that. So, you know, but it also, when you're doing things like mason jars, you know, you're taking some of the toxins out that tend to sleep into food as well, um, while they're even while they're in the freezer. So as much as I can use that, I do, and then using glass dishes um, to be able to store things as well. Um, so those are. That's what
2: I was also- going to say, Shannon. You can actually think ahead, and if you don't have a lot of that glass storage, you can buy some. And then reportion a, an actual individual meal. So you put in the meat, the potato, the, the you know the, the the warm things that you would warm up and stuff like that, so that you have it and it's you know sealed, freeze it, and I, it's the best feeling to pull those out, especially if you're home at night and you're not necessarily cooking for anybody else. You pull that out in the morning, it's defrosted, you warm it up in the oven because it's already in glass, yep. and you've got your second serving of Thanksgiving um and all the hard work you did a month ago maybe.
0: Yeah
3: absolutely. Oh one quick sure. thing we didn't hit. Cranberry sauce. Make your own. Don't buy that stuff yeah. in the it's, it's so easy. I was just picturing that Thanksgiving dinner that Bobby was describing. It's like, oh, I want the cranberries. Yep. They come out of the can. (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) It's convenient, but it's even more. It's just as quick to make your own. So, all
5: right. So, our North tip the knife slicing. That's that's how it used to be the knife
1: slicing on the plate. Yeah. It's just
0: absolutely. So, our North Star tip for this episode is plan for success. You know, take the time to create a holiday plan that includes meal strategies and scheduling and self awareness to avoid that self sabotage and that overindulgence that's going to leave you miserable. Okay. Um, that's a wrap on this heartwarming episode of Wellness Wisdom. We hope you've enjoyed this holiday feast of wisdom and that you're leaving with valuable insights to make your Thanksgiving and the entire holiday season healthier and happier. Don't forget to pour it, put the North Star tip into action. This is your guiding light towards a mindful and fulfilling holiday season. So remember, you've got the power to make each moment count and you have control over your own personal choices. Um, A huge thanks to all of our coaches here today for sharing their expertise with us and a special thank you to our listeners. You make wellness wisdom possible. Stay connected with us on social media and if you have questions, feedback, or topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes, don't hesitate to reach out for us. Remember that we have that opt-in um, and included in that opt-in for you, that that document that you know, outlines some of these tips and you've got some great recipes that are gonna be in there. We're also including Bobby's holiday survival guide that is gonna carry you through not just Thanksgiving, but Christmas as well. Um, and it's got some really, really great stuff in it. Um, We're going to talk about that a little bit in the Christmas episode that we're doing for you, where we're going to offer even more health tips um, and tricks for you um, during the holiday season, but you're going to get access to it today for both of the holidays. So from all of us here at Wellness Wisdom, we wish you a Thanksgiving filled with love and gratitude and wellness. Until next time, take care and be well.